Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved. Happy Feast of the Precious Blood, July 1st. It is wonderful to be with you as always. I pray you had a good weekend and that you are loving God today more than you did yesterday and less than you will tomorrow. I pray that every day, that I would love him more and more and more, give more of myself to him every day. He is so, so worthy. And today is a reminder of how worthy he is and how he gave his life for us and how one drop of blood would have been sufficient to save the entire world. In fact, the theme of all of July is that of the precious blood. And I have a little book here. It comes from St. Academy, St. Augustine Academy Press. It's a wonderful apostolate, beloved. St. Augustine Academy Press. And let's see if you can see it. It is... um, it is the ca- the character calendar, the character calendar, and every day it has a reading for the feast day of every day, and it's magnificent. And I'm going to read to you, it's very, very short, no more than a page each, and sometimes less than a page. I'm going to read to you uh, the reading for today, the Feast of the Most Precious Blood of Our Lord, which in the extraordinary form is a first-class feast. And it reads, the whole month of July is devoted to the most precious blood. But this first day of the month reminds us every year that at this date, in 1849, the revolution, which had driven the Pope from Rome, was happily ended. To perpetuate the memory of this triumph and to show that it was due to the Savior's merits, Pius XI, that's Pope Pius XI, at the time a refugee um, at Gaeta instituted the Feast of the Precious Blood. The liturgy of today reminds us of all the circumstances in which our Lord's precious blood was shed. Brethren, it, it reads, Christ being come, a high priest of the good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, That is, not of this creation, neither by the blood of goats or lambs, as in the Old Testament, but by his own blood, entered once into the very, the holy of holies, having obtained eternal redemption. And that's a reading from Vespers. He that eateth, um, these are quotes from, this one is from the uh, Imitation of Christ, book four, He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood abideth in me, and I in him. Those are our Lord's words. And then in June, uh, each day they have um, uh, different quotes, the explanation of the day, and then they have an ideal, and then they have a word for today. So this is the ideal in June. In fact, dear mothers and fathers, if you would get this book for your family, 
and you, you have something to read at the dinner table, not while everyone's eating, but to sit quietly in prayer before the meal and read this. And then discuss it during the meal and have a wonderful, holy, and profitable meal as a family. The ideal is this. <clears throat> in June, all our devotions were centered on the Sacred Heart. It is the Sacred Heart that makes this adorable blood, that is, blood to be adored, circulate through the body of our Lord. And today, um, it says, Dearest Jesus, suffer not. This is, this is a prayer, dear parents, that you could read for the family today. Dearest Jesus, <clears throat> suffer not my tongue, which has been and is so often blessed with thy precious body and blood to speak well of myself or ill of others, so that no uncharitable word may be recorded in the book of life on the day of judgment, except all the victories I gain over my tongue at, as a preparation for my next holy communion. And then it ends with the words, Save me by thy precious blood. This is a wonderful little book that gives you a, a substantial, magnificent, wonderful theme, meaning for our life every single day of the year. 365 days that you can read to your family before dinner, after dinner, I suggest before, so that this can be the subject of your conversation, either that or make it a silent dinner and meditate on these things. Uh, we do hear, of course, that the Daughters of Mary, Mother of Israel's Hope, we do not speak we have no conversation during meals. We read, um, uh, and um, and we meditate on the holy and good things of the Lord in the extraordinary form. Tomorrow is the visitation of the Blessed Virgin Mary's very, very special feast. And for most of you, or uh, many of you who attend the Novus Ordo um, calendar, that would have been on May 31st, but in the extraordinary form, it's tomorrow. And we'll come to you tomorrow with that day's, um, without day's message. You know, we began last week to read to you the most magnificent, helpful, needed, urgent um, document that was produced by four holy bishops of the Catholic Church. Um, uh, one, two, three, uh, two bishops, one archbishop uh, meritus, and uh, two cardinals. Cardinal Raymond Leo Burke, patron of the Sovereign Military Order of Malta, Cardinal Giannis Pujats, and I keep apologizing for, I'm sure I'm mispronouncing their names, um, Archbishop Emeritus of um, Riga Tomasz Peter, Archbishop of the Archdiocese of St. Mary in Astana, that's in Kakistan, and I, I, I really apologize for, uh, I'm sure I'm messing up the names of the, of the bishops, the cardinals, and the cities. <clears throat> Jan Paul Lenga, Archbishop Bishop Emeritus of Karagangda, and our very beloved Bishop Athanasius Snyder, Auxiliary Bishop of the Archdiocese of St. Mary in Astana. Um, 
and it's uh, under here, the full document, The Church of the Living God, the Pillar and Bulwark of the Truth. That's a quote from St. Paul's letter to Timothy. And it's titled, Declaration of the Truths Relating to Some of the Most Common Errors in the Life of the Church of Our Time. And I bless God for these four prelates who care enough about souls and care enough about the anger, well, the confusion, the anger and the misinformation and the heresy and the apostasy and everything going on in the church today, that they care further about the souls of us, of every single one of us, that they got together and produced this document to clarify every single matter that is in confusion today where false teaching has been and is being spread. And so, beloved, we have no excuse. We have no excuse for not knowing the truth. If we say, I'm living this way because my priest said it's okay, and it's not okay, your priest will be accountable for that, but you will be more accountable when you stand before God. We cannot excuse sin of any kind based on our shepherds. We cannot, because we have the truth, beloved, Many years ago, a thousand, two thousand years ago, the people they couldn't read. There wasn't the printing press. They, they, uh, the, the, what the bishops, what their leaders, what their shepherds said, uh, is what they lived by. Today, it would be our dream that that's what we could live by. But we're learning that in today, um, today's time, we cannot count on that. We know our faith. We have all the documents of the Holy Popes. We have the Catechism of the Catholic Church. We have the Scriptures. Nothing is outdated. Nothing is passé. Nothing is old. Truth is truth. It does not change. God said, I am the God. I am God. I change not. Truth, and I am truth. I am the way, the life, and the truth. Truth does not and cannot change. Its application to us can develop through the years. But if the application changes, is not in keeping with the doctrine, then it's wrong. Then it is wrong. For example, uh, the church teaches to not go against your conscience. And somebody will say, well, my conscience tells me abortion is okay. Well, it's not okay. And that's defined. It is murder. And murder is a mortal sin. You may never take the life of anybody at any stage of its existence, from conception until natural death. Um, and it is wrong. And you, and you say, well, my conscience doesn't believe that. Well, your conscience is wrong. And are we to violate our conscience? No. But we are to have an informed conscience. And if you're not sure of something, you need to see what the church teaches. And whether you agree or not doesn't matter doesn't matter. We're sinful. We're fallen. We're not, we're not God. It doesn't matter whether we agree or not. If we disagree and we state that, then we're not Catholic. If we disagree with anything the church teaches, truthfully, not that the Pope or a bishop or anyone else says, but the infallible teaching of the church, if we disagree with that, even with one thing, we're not Catholic. You know, in the Old Testament, God gave the law, and the law says that if you 
failed to keep one point of the law, maybe because you disagree, it's not the issue. You, if you fail in one point, you have failed the entire law because God is holy. He doesn't admit error or sin. No, he is holy. And every part of the law is a reflection of God, the God who gave it. So you could say, well, I'm a good Catholic. I'm a faithful Catholic. I just don't agree with that teaching of the church. Well, then you're not Catholic. You're certainly not a faithful Catholic. And you're not Catholic. You're Protestant. You are a protestant of the truth. If you love God and you believe that the church is the church our Lord founded, you need to know that you're a child. I don't care if you're 200 years old. You are a child and you are sinful and you are fallen and you need to go on your knees and bless God for sending a savior and say to him, Lord, I am stupid. I am ignorant. I am arrogant. I don't understand this. Well, acknowledge that. That's no problem. We learn all the time. But to say I don't agree is the height of arrogance and it's to put yourself in the place of Satan. He doesn't agree. He wants to do his own thing according to his understanding or his desire or his warped desires. See, do I sound strong? I'm not strong, beloved. This is simply a matter of fact. Um, We either know that the Catholic Church is not an option. It's the only means of salvation. It is the church Christ established, which he promised to lead into all truth until the end of time. And he will. And apparently his shepherds are failing. They failed in Israel. They're failing now. So we cannot depend on the shepherds. We need to depend on the grace of God and all that he has provided us these days. And when bishops are good and strong and holy, we need to support them. We need to honor them. Yes. Today, if one bishop does something good, such as tell people not to attend a pride event, he's made a hero in all the headlines in all the newspapers. Uh, Extol him. That's insane. He's simply being a bishop. He's simply doing what bishops are failing to do today. He's simply being a bishop. Is it heroic? I don't know. Maybe it is. He's simply living his faith like you and I do in a world that's turned from God. It's what every bishop should be doing. It's extraordinary today because bishops, if they're not failing us, they are silent, which is comparable to failing us. So, um, But there are many good and holy bishops, beloved. Many, many good and holy priests. We were at um, the ordination of Three priests on Friday night on the Sacred Heart of Jesus here in Tulsa. Absolutely three magnificent young men. A beautiful, beautiful occasion. Really honoring, God honoring, God honoring indeed. Very beautiful. Okay, so these four shepherds, these four holy shepherds of God, they're not afraid to speak the truth. They're, they don't compromise. They love souls enough to not be silent. Um, oh, I'm trying to think of the psalm in the Old Testament uh, where David said, um, for Zion's sake, I will not be silent. 
and the church is Zion fulfilled in the Jewish Messiah. We must not be silent. Christ gave himself for the truth. So, this is the declaration of truths relating to some of the most common errors in the life of the church of our time, and you can go online and read it. I think you should sit down with your families, beloved, in the evening and read it to your family and talk about each, each point. And it begins kind of separated by subject, and the fir- we're not going to get it all today, of course, beloved. Um, we're going to take your calls and your emails and your texts right after the first break, which is, um, oh, in about 10 minutes. So we won't get through it, but I would um, want to encourage you, if you wish anything on your heart, to call in, to text or email. And as always, it does not need to be what we're speaking about. It needs to be what's on your heart. So toll-free or text at one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Okay, the first subject, uh, subtitle is The Fundamentals of the Faith. Number one, the right meaning of the expressions, quote, living tradition, end quote, living magisterium, hermeneutic of continuity, and development of doctrine. Those four things, I'm going to repeat them. Living tradition, living magisterium, hermeneutic of continuity, and development of doctrine includes the truth that would never, whatever new insights might be expressed regarding the deposit of faith, nevertheless, they cannot be contrary to what the church has always proposed in the same dogma, in the same sense, and in the same meaning. Now, with every point these four uh, holy men of God have made, they have references, uh, every single reference from which they've gotten their statement. This is not their opinion. This is not their personal conclusion. They are giving us the faith. The faith wants to live it to the saints. And you know, I've said it before, that the church at its highest, the Pope, the magisterium, no one has any power or authority to invent anything. The church in its magisterium, its teaching arm, I've compared to a, wait, a waitress, a waiter, a waitstaff in a restaurant. They don't make the food. They receive the food from the chef, and their job is to get it in a restaurant to the table without messing it up. I was a waitress once, and they was a, have a lobster special, and I had the dishes on a tray, and coming out of the kitchen to bring it to the table, I dropped the tray, and all the dishes slid off. Oy vey, oy vey, oy vey, they had to remake everything again. Terrible. And I wasn't fired, though I could have been. So I failed. But the job of the magisterium is to get the food to feed the sheep from the chef and deliver it to us sheep. The chef is God. Deliver it to the sheep without messing it up. It is the faith. Once delivered to the faith, to the, to the, um, the faith, once delivered 
to the church, to the sheep. And if anyone, Pope, Cardinal, Bishop, Priest, RCIA teacher, anyone, pastor, anyone, speaks of a different doctor, then Paul says, let him be anathema. That is to be cursed. Why? Because he is playing with the souls of the people for whom Christ died. Point two, under fundamentals of the faith, the meaning of dogmatic formulas remains ever true. Now, if I say words, um, dogmatic formulas, dogmatic is the unfailing teaching of the church. It's dogma. It cannot change. And if you if you look this up on the Internet or print it out or just read it, put a dictionary with you, and if any word you don't understand, don't pass it by. Every word in here is for us to understand. And if you don't know the meaning of them, it's not a problem. The only problem would be if you fail to find it out. So the meaning of dogmatic formulas remains ever true and constant in the church, even when it is expressed with greater clarity or more development, or more developed, rather. The faith, therefore, must shun the opinion first that dogmatic formulas or some category of them cannot signify truth in a determinate way, but can only offer changeable approximations to it which to a certain extent distort or alter it. Now, what the prelates here are uh, are saying, they're pinpointing the very grave errors in the church today. I'm going to read that again. The meaning of dogmatic formulas remains ever true and constant in the church, even when it is expressed with greater clarity or more developed. The faithful, therefore, must shun the opinion first that dogmatic formulas or some category of them, in other words, that the truth cannot signify truth in a determinate way. They must shun that. It does signify truth, unchangeable truth, but I'm messing up the sentence here. The faithful, therefore, must shun the opinion that dogmatic formulas or some category of them cannot shun this, cannot signify truth in a determinate way. But can, in other words, in a way that somebody determines apart from its original meaning, but can only offer changeable approximations to it, which to a certain extent distort or alter it. What people are doing today, what bishops are doing today, is taking dogmatic formulas and reinventing them to teach their falsehood. That these formulas signify the truth only in an indeterminate way, the truth being like a goal that is constantly being sought by means of such approximations. Those who hold such an opinion do not avoid dogmatic relativism, and they corrupt the concept of the church's infallibility relative to the truth to be taught or held in a determinate way. In other words, it is the faith once delivered to the saints. 
And there are bishops who are saying today, yes, that's, that, that's one way of saying it, but in our day and age, what is meant by that is this, or that includes this, or it doesn't include this, and we're telling you that it develops and all of that, and their development is the fruit of their sin, of their distortion, of their disordered lives. It is not what God gave us. It is not what God gave us. Um, There's a legitimate development of doctrine that never changes the issue. In fact, one of the books that led me into the church was John Henry Cardinal Newman's Essay on the Development of Doctrine. In fact, when he wrote that, he was not a Catholic. He was an Anglican. Uh, He called it the Via Media, the middle way. And he was not Catholic. He was looking into the Catholic Church. Um, But he was not Catholic. And he wrote that, The Development of Christian Doctrine. And at the conclusion of his writing that book, he entered the Catholic Church because it shows that doctrine developed as an acorn develops into a tree. And he says you can trace the full development from the acorn into the branches. You can also trace true development from the branches back into the root of the tree, and you could determine true from false development. And that protects the church. And everything that led Cardinal Newman into the church was to understand the true development of the acorn, of what God gave uh, when he established his church. There's our music, beloved, for our first break. Call in with anything on your heart, 1-877-511-5483, or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back. This is Father Jacek Mazur. Please join me in a prayer to St. Kateri Takakwitha, St. Kateri, Lily of the Mohawks. We come to seek your intercession in our present need. We admire the virtues that adorned your soul, love of God and neighbor, humility, obedience, and the spirit of sacrifice. Help us to imitate your example in our life. Pray to God for us and help us. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance. Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one, from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord, amen. 
The Station of the Cross offers online tutorials to help you get the most out of your iCatholic Radio app. You'll be introduced to our latest features and the opportunities available for not only listening to our live stream, but also to a variety of podcasts of our shows, prayers, and special presentations. For these tutorials and more, click on the iCatholic Radio link located on the Stations page of our website, thestationofthecross.com. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved. Good to be with you on Mother Miriam Live. I'm still getting used to that. And those of you who are tuning in, um, and, and especially by radio, um, it's the same program as Heart to Heart with Mother Miriam. Nothing has changed except thanks to uh, a wonderful uh, partnership between LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. It is now being live streamed on LifeSite News and the Facebook pages of both Apostolate LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross, and I think they've put up a, a Facebook page on Mother Miriam Live, uh, or just Mother Miriam. I think it's Mother Miriam Live. I I can't uh, even go there to answer your questions or take time for it, but they're keeping it up, and um, uh, many people have commented. I think you can watch the program directly from there on Facebook, so it's just a, a wonderful development, and I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for these two holy Orthodox apostolates where I can say anything on my heart um, uh, to speak the truth of God and, and, and we can put our arms around the world and, and live the faith together. We're going to take your calls and emails now and I'll give out the number once more before we begin. It's toll free to call or text and it's one 511 5483 or to email at mother at thestationofthecross.com We have a text from David who says, Hello, Mother Miriam. I bought the book Mystical City of God by Mary of Jesus of Agreda. I read an article saying that through the years it has been banned, then approved. It is approved at this moment. Are you familiar with this book, which is about visions and messages from Mother Mary to the author about the life of Mary? Are you familiar with this book since it seems there's some controversy about its content, but <clears throat> maybe just we human beings doubt Mary really said these things to the author. Do you think it would be good to read it? Thank you. You know, David, I have not personally read it, but some of the sisters here have and really love it. Um, it has been uh, disapproved through the years, but it is now fully approved by the church. And so um, I think it's fine to read. I, I wouldn't mind reading it myself one day. I just have to put it in order of what my priorities for reading are. But um, it's four volumes, and um, I think it'd be very profitable to read it um, because it is approved. And it's not the only book that has not been approved. True Devotion to Mary by St. Louis de Montfort, one of the most popular books in the entire church today, had also been de- Uh, not approved. St. Faustina's writings had not been approved. Many of the saints, 
the visions of Fatima, all of that, many of these things have, had not been approved. It took time for the church to to approve it. So, uh, yes, there there have this. They, the church has gone back and forth on this, but as as far as I know and have checked today, it is fully approved, and uh, you'd be fine to read it. <clears throat> we have an email uh, from anonymous who writes, "Hi, mother." My son is getting married in August. I had mentioned to him that the dresses of the bridesmaids might not be appropriate for church. They are full length and flowing, but have spaghetti straps and are somewhat low cut depending on the alterations the girls do. He went to the priest and asked him if they need some covering. He was able to show a picture of one of the girls with the dress on. The priest said the dress is fine and not a problem. He has made women in the past cover up their inappropriate dress. I feel he is wrong, and though I don't attend that particular church, I know his priest. Should I insist on a covering? Yes, you should. The priest is wrong. If a church, if a dress is not appropriate at church, it's not appropriate anywhere. End of story. If it's not appropriate at church, it's not appropriate in the streets, even in the summer months. Spaghetti straps have a woman partially naked. No woman has a right to, uh, I almost said paschetti, is that a riot? Uh, To spaghetti straps. Can you picture the Blessed Mother in a dress with spaghetti straps? And whether it's low cut or not, women are built differently. It's going to be too low cut for some women. Any dress two inches, more than two inches below the neck uh, is is too low cut. That is not good. And if they're going to insist on those dresses, they need to have a matching or appropriate shawl to wear with the dress. Anything else is inappropriate, absolutely inappropriate. And if you wish a holy wedding, those dresses should not be worn. Um, now, you you can insist on that, your son and his wife may not agree. Uh, the priest, unfortunately, has given a poor advice. Uh, so you're gonna how you work that out, I don't know. But it, yes, it is inappropriate. And yes, you should insist. Um, and you can say, son, the reason you're getting married is that I bore you, and I diapered you, and I raised you. And I ask you to honor me in this, to have the wedding and your and your spouse-to-be to honor me in this request and have a more modest dress for the bridesmaids. We have another email from someone who writes in anonymously and says, Hello, Mother. I agree with you that the church may have to soon go underground. My question is, in China, the true Catholic Church went underground years ago. Recently, Pope Francis betrayed them and recognize the communist patriarch church patriotic church who is in full communion now is it the underground church or the communist church or both if the church has to go underground and i do agree that it will what if it has to go underground to protect itself from prelates such as pope francis what happens to full communion then these are very confusing times. Okay, this is a very good and understandable question. The communistic patriotic, patriotic church is not 
in full communion with the Catholic Church. If the Pope himself um, makes an accord or makes statements or takes actions that are against the faith, we are not in full communion with the Church by adhering to the errors of a Pope. All right? Now, again, the Pope is not infallible. He's not impeccable. He's not without sin. Uh, The gift of infallibility is really not even um, a positive gift. If it's a negative gift, and I'm going to explain that, um, it's a cherished gift. I'm going to explain that when we come back from the break, beloved. So don't go away, but you you are welcome to call in. Our lines are wide open, if you wish. Um, Toll free to call or text 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We will be right back. know your donation could be matched? If you donate $75 to the Station of the Cross, you could have it doubled. There are many companies that will double employee donations. So when you donate $75, we'll receive $150, helping us make Catholic Radio even stronger. Help the Station of the Cross proclaim the fullness of truth with clarity and charity by checking with your employer today to see if there's an opportunity for your place of employment to double your donation. This could greatly benefit Catholic Radio so that we can share the gospel with more people. May God bless you for your support of the Station of the Cross. Tune in weekdays from 6 to 7 a.m. Eastern Time for Sermons for Everyday Living, a program that brings you real sermons from real priests on topics important to you and your faith. Visit thestationofthecross.com for details. Users of iCatholic Radio are raving about our app in the iTunes and Google Play stores. One user says, It's exactly what I was looking for since having a closer walk with my Lord and my God. Great app for the living Catholic. Praise God. Nancy says, This is the best app. I have become a regular listener to it. I use it every day. I also play it all night long while we sleep. Get this app and use it. It will change your life for the better. Another user recommends iCatholic Radio, saying, So sweet a sound. This has allowed me to listen to Catholic Radio when I travel. What an awesome learning tool. Thank you. If you haven't reviewed iCatholic Radio yet, what are you waiting for? Visit your iTunes or Google Play store today. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSight News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. 
Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. I'm happy and thrilled to be with you. Um, and I'm going to repeat an email that we received um, uh, and that I just read before the break. Let me reread it uh, to you. Um, it, uh, Hello, Mother. I agree with you that the church may have to soon go underground. My question is, in China, the true Catholic Church went underground years ago. Recently, Pope Francis betrayed them and recognized the Communist Patriotic Church. Who is in full communion now? Is it the underground church or the communist church or both? It is neither one. Uh, It is certainly not both. It is certainly not the communist church. Um, um, It is individuals who live the faith. That's it. In full communion with the one holy Catholic uh, Roman and apostolic church. One holy Catholic and apostolic church. That is who is in full communion, any individual. A priest who becomes part of the patriotic church is not in full communion. Uh, uh, you know, uh, they passed a law in California that, I don't know if the law is fully passed yet, that uh, priests, if, if someone comes to them and confesses certain grave matter, that they must report it to the priest, well, to the police, uh, even abuse, uh, well, they cannot. The, the, the priesthood is sealed. Confession is sealed. Any priest who reveals anyone's confession loses his priesthood. And so a priest has to be ready to die rather than reveal confession. And a true priest in China cannot be part of the patriotic church. Absolutely cannot, because he's going to have to agree to things and go along with things that he cannot. That he Can you imagine Cardinal Zen who has written the Pope about this, who is more heartbroken than anyone else, who spent years in prison, who... uh, Can you imagine his saying yes to being part of the Patriotic Church? Absolutely not. The Patriotic Church is not in full communion. We're not in full communion with a Pope that um, goes in an errant direction. Uh, No. Uh, Again, he... when he teaches, I, I said to you before the break, I would talk about the gift of infallibility. The Pope is not impeccable, that means without sin. And he's not infallible as a human being, not even when he teaches. He is infallible by the protection of the Holy Spirit when he is teaching faith or morals binding on the faithful. All right? Um, and he's not even given the gift of infallibility at those times. The gift of infallibility, when he speaks something that is binding on the faithful, the gift of infallibility, when I say it's a negative, in the sense that it prevents him from speaking error. It's not so much that it allows him to speak truth. It prevents him from speaking error. The Holy Spirit protects the church by preventing the Pope from uh, speaking error in matters of faith and morals that is binding on the faithful. You see, what the Pope has done with China is not binding on the faithful. He's he's in error there. He has betrayed the people, and in fact, the whole church by by what he's done. And so, um, but one action of the Pope does not negate him as Pope. Um, all of that, if he speaks a matter that's 
binding on the faithful um, in faith and morals. If he ever truly changes, uh, he's spreading a lot of confusion, teaching many things that are wrong, but he's not made one thing binding on the faithful. The day he would do that, then he might be in the position of being declared a heretic, but, but not in something like this. It is up to the faithful, individually, priests and people, to remain in full communion with the church. The patriotic church is not in full communion. The communistic patriotic church is not in full communion with the one holy Catholic and apostolic church. And so when you say who is in full communion now, it is individuals who will not turn from the truth who will not take part of parties or actions that are against the truth. That's why we have so many martyrs, beloved, because they will not betray Christ. And this one goes on to say, if the church has to go underground, and I do agree that it will, what if it has to go underground to protect itself from prelates such as Pope Francis? Well, then it will. Well, then it will. What happens to full communion then? Those who go underground or who stay above ground and do not compromise the truth of the church are in full communion with it. If the Pope speaks error, he is not in full communion, not with what the church teaches. Where does that put him under God? I can't tell you. I just cannot tell you that. I do not know. But to be in full communion with the church is to not commit mortal sin and uh, to believe what the church teaches and not change it at whim. Um, So these are, she says, or he says, confusing times. But we know the faith, which is why I'm reading through this document, to clarify everything. And these four holy prelates of God, um, we need to thank God for them, and we need to read and reread this document many, many times, because we will not be confused. Truth is put before our eyes. We're going to take a third email now from someone who says, Mother Miriam, my name is Robert, and I'd like some advice from you. I am currently going through marriage prep with my fiancé. We both live together, and we have a two-month-old daughter. We are practicing chastity, and we pray the rosary daily, and we try our utmost to live as brother and sister. Sometimes I feel it is not enough good for you. We are trying to live a holy lifestyle in line with church teaching. We do sleep on the same bed, although we do not cuddle together during sleep. We do give each other pecks on the lips, but no more than that. We will be getting married on December 20th of this year. Do you have any advice for us? Our Lord has been sustaining us, but do we need to do more? Thank you so much. I think you do need to do more. Number one, you should not be sleeping in the same bed. At the very, very, very least, you need to be sleeping in different rooms. At the very, very least, I believe, Robert, you should move out. I believe you should move out, and you can visit your two-year-old daughter every day. That's okay. Um, Your two-month-old daughter, you can visit her every day. That's fine, or as often as you can, but you need to move out and get an apartment and to live separately and chastely, not 
even be in the same house, living as brother and wife, even though you're chaste. Um, uh, it's going to be very bad for you uh, after you're married. I can tell you this. Um, marriages for people who live together before marriage rarely succeed. And so at least if you make the sacrifice, both of you, of your moving out now, um, if you say you can't afford two rents, you do have to do something. That's not a reason. It's not even an excuse. Um, if you have to work to help pay the rent of your fiancé and your little baby, then you do that and move in with a, a relative, move in with a friend, sleep in a park bench. It's not an issue, but move out. You need to move out. And again, at the very least, not sleep. If you say, I don't have an extra bedroom, go sleep in the living room. Don't sleep together even in the same bed that you're chased. Um, but I would say, whatever you can do to move out, move out. Um, when you're together, continue to pray the rosary. Continue to be faithful. Uh, continue to go to Mass. Do not receive the Eucharist until you're properly married. Okay. Um, and now I say do not receive the Eucharist. If you've both gone to confession and you're chaste, that's fine, but you should not be living together. Uh, we have an email from Carlos. Dear Mother, so many in my family have fallen away from their Catholic faith. Some are in irregular situations. You know what? There's no such thing. And he, he describes that as divorced and remarried. It's not irregular. Why are we calling sin irregular? When we call it irregular, we're approving it. It's just irregular. There's nothing sinful about irregular. It's just not regular. What's regular? Regular is not sinful. This is sinful, divorced and remarried. That is sinful. Invalid marriages, married outside the church, and seem to not care about the faith at all. Some are contemplating divorce again. Some of my siblings, siblings are having sex outside of marriage. I did two I did, too, several years back, and have warned them, but to no avail. I'm afraid to go to confession because their sins and my own weigh me down a lot. Um, oh, my brother, I'm going to stop right there. I haven't even finished reading your email. You're afraid to go to, to confession because their sins and your own weigh me down? Confession doesn't have to do with their sins. It has to do with yours. Someone else's sins should never stop you. Oh, my goodness, you, it's your soul, it's your eternity. Don't be afraid to go because of your own. Of course they're going to weigh you down. You must go to confession. You must go to confession, dear brother. You will not be on the path to heaven unless you do, and you will not be able to help anyone else unless you are forgiven through confession and restored to full communion with the church. And, and uh, this gentleman, I'm guessing it's a man, continues to write, it's so lonely to uphold the faith in its entirety, all on my own. But you're not upholding the faith in its entirety, all on your own. You are not, dear one, if you're not going to confession. You say you're afraid. Um, if you're afraid and you still go, you didn't write that. But if you're, their sins and yours weigh you down and you don't go to confession, you are not upholding the faith and you will have no power to live it or to be a witness, not at all. You say, how would you recommend living out the faith in such dire circumstances? Please help. Thank you, Mother. God bless. The first thing that I uh, suggest, dear Carlos, is that you go to confession. 
you go to confession. And if you can get a priest to give you time and make an appointment with him and have a general confession, that is the sins of your whole life, and let him absolve you. And you start with an absolutely clean slate and then live the faith with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's what you need to do. You can't criticize your family. You can't come against them. You can't badger them. You need to live a changed life, which you cannot unless your sins are forgiven. Uh, And you live that life and then be Jesus among them. Not to um, put holiness in their face, nothing of that sort. Keep quiet and live your life before them with love, with the love of Jesus, not with disapproval, but with love and uh, always do what's right in their midst. And eventually, your presence, your holiness, your prayers for them, uh, the grace of God through you will begin to change them. It will. You need to get right with God and go to confession, I would say in your case, even once a week. The church does not tell you to do that. Um, You can go minimum once a month, and the church does not tell you to do that either, but I would recommend that nobody stay away from confession more than at least once a month. But I would, you know, twice a month if you can, as often as you can, go to confession. Live a pure and holy life that the grace of God may work through you. And then make a consecration to Jesus through Mary, and Our Lady will help you. We're almost at the end of our program, beloved. I'm going to try to read another anonymous email. We may not get through it today. Let me give it a start. Dear Mother, my husband and I have five kids ranging from 16 to one year. After our first three were born, we both experienced a major conversion to the Catholic faith, learned the Catholic view on contraception and natural family planning, and made the choice to adhere to the teachings of the church. Blessed be God forever. Soon after came our two youngest, and a miscarriage as well. I love them all dearly, but life has been extremely exhausting and difficult for me to manage. Now, let me just say, we have, oh, less than a minute to the end of the program, beloved. And so I'm going to need to reread this tomorrow. And um, uh, I will answer your email tomorrow, beloved. And, and read it in full. Um, uh, we, we've got to uh, go today. I'm so sorry. It always seems too short uh, for our hour together. It's way too short, but um, God has allowed this time together. We're not going underground yet, but we need to be faithful to the church. Don't ever take the word of your priest if it is against church teaching. Don't take the way out. Don't take the easy way out into sin. Live heroic lives for God. It is the only way that you will experience the love and the power, the transforming power of grace. God bless you. We'll speak with you later.